Hello and welcome to Attack of the Queer Wolf. I'm Nay. I'm Michael. I'm Brennan. I'm Sam. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hey. Mm-hmm. hey. <laughs> it's nice hey. to see you. You too. Oh, um, are you proud of me? I'm so proud of you. Oh, you didn't. I thought you were going to say for what, but oh. you're just so precious and <laughs> I'm always with me so proud that of you. you just said yes. <laughs> but for, for what? For what day? I brought an actual vampire today to the <gasps> podcast. Yay! <laughs> I love vampires. I'd like to see any one of you other people do that. <laughs> you win. Okay. I'm very um, proud of you. Thank you very much. Uh, well, let's get to know who's here because it is absolutely one of my most favorite people on this planet. Um, I know a lot of us make friends through the internet these days, but as you probably know, not every one of those people is, uh, you know, turns into one of your actual friends. Mm-hmm. And I feel so honored to have Annie Rose Malamet here. Um, let me read this amazing bio uh, and introduce my friend. Uh, Annie Rose Malamet is a lesbian vampire, media educator, and artist based in New York. Her podcast, Girls, Guts, Jalo, ima- examines the feminine <laughs> image in controversial and cult cinema through a queer feminist lens. Currently, Annie lectures on representations of fat women in film and television. Welcome to Queer Wolf Thanks Annie. for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. That's me. I'm clapping. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> how did that start? Clapping. Clapping? Think? Like, I, oh, I don't know. We were like, this is how we're going to show that we appreciate what someone just said. Well, it's, that we're excited. It's crazy to think that whistling in other parts of the world is like a negative thing, too. It's, like, I mean, it's only positive and considered positive in America, where like at sports games, people whisper. <gasps> sports games. Oh, wait, whisper? They whisper. Or um, whistle. Whistle. Yeah, like people whistle like at a game. Well, you know, Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, as a woman, I feel like... It's very negative. I, yeah, fuck yeah. whistling. I don't want to hear one single whistle. Oh, God, are you ever. kidding me? Yeah. I'm not turning around. Immediately go into fight or flight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to keep walking. The I'm not turning around. Yeah. yeah, I'm not going to see who's doing Sam that. Yeah, I 100% cat called Michael on the way into the building from my car. Well, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> see, no. And my, <laughs> I, didn't even hear. I, I don't I, I don't mean to um, immediately piss all over sam's whole thing unless you're into it oh my but God. <laughs> if i had heard it i would have no been like, the hey. thing is, like my, my boyfriend also does the same thing he does the like whistle to get your attention they're like Woo-hoo, he sounds like a bird um but also that and car honks are so impersonal i never know who's trying to contact Trigger. who so i just like, ignore it go up yeah, yeah. Well, I always take like the cruising approach. I rolled down my window. I made direct eye contact or tried to, and then I like used his name. I, you, you do that when you cruise, right? You use their name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I can't whistle, so it comes out like a ow ow oh. kind of thing. You know, it's oh, wow. very uh, even it's, gayer. Whole... I wish I had heard it. I would have felt really good about myself. Well, everybody else heard it and looked right at me, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> See, no, that's how it works because everybody assumes it's for them. Nailed it. Oh, um, recently, wow. a man I know. I was walking in financial district in New York. Which, like, in New York, you just don't make eye contact as a woman because, mm-hmm. like, it's constant sexual harassment. Absolutely. And this man I know, but I didn't know that I know him, grabbed me. Oh, God. And I slapped him in the face. Oh, good for you. Okay. And because <laughs> I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, somebody I work with. Well, and I was like, well, don't do that. You really should have yeah. known how to act then. Yeah. yeah. I can tell you. It's actually right. doubly worse for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. But yeah, oh, hell cool. no. don't do that. <laughs> no, yeah, for real, don't do that. Don't touch anybody. Unless, no, yeah. unless you get cons- like ask them if it's okay. Yeah, don't or do that. Because I was not raised right. I will fight you immediately. <laughs> 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 
no, no, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well. Anyway, clapping. Yeah. Clapping. <laughs> mm. um, well, what what have you been watching, Michael? Uh, I continuing my Scream rewatching, so I watched three. I like three. You're lovely. <laughs> <laughs> You're a positive person. Um, no, three is fun. It's just so bad. <laughs> Courtney Cox's hair. I mean, um, <laughs> it's just got the twin Gale Weathers are. Iconic. I mean, Parker Posey is the yes. best thing about three. Yes, yes, absolutely, one hundred percent. But you can clearly tell while just listening to the dialogue in the movie that Kevin Williamson didn't write it. Like it's very glaring, and uh, a lot of the comedy is really like Scooby Doo ish. Um, but I mean, I enjoy it. It's ridiculous. They're filming Stab Three. Like my. F- I love watching the movie and then dissecting Roman's like ability to get to Sydney and like his mom was sexually assaulted and had him never admitted to him that she was his mother. He managed to get Sydney's boyfriend to kill. It's absurd. Pretend to kill Sydney's mom. Cause he actually killed Sydney's mom managed this to get, to be a movie director and not only get his first gig directing a horror movie, but it's a horror movie based on his half sister's life. <laughs> I just love it. Yeah, like going into the connections. Right. Yeah. But also interesting is that sexual assault is a major plot point in that movie. Major it's, plot a, point. it's a Weinstein movie mm-hmm. and it's major about a woman getting sexually assaulted by a Hollywood exec. I almost feel like they were writing about like Lance Hendrickson's character is right. like a stand-in for yes. Weinstein. But it's a Weinstein production. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's- but looking at it now, the two those two things so that stood out to me was that storyline. And then also like you could look at Roman's whole like motive as like a fucking knock on straight white male privilege. Because his whole thing is like, it should have been mine. It should have been mine. It should have been well, mine. His, She's like, I didn't ask for any of this shit. Like, and his so. name is Roman. Yeah. And also, what? Is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's Roman not that's on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, he's he is a successful Hollywood film director. What does Sydney have that he doesn't at this point? That's very true. Like, he's got a really good life. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just it's just petty. Yeah. But I mean, it's so it's the it's the worst of the four. But I still enjoy it oh, every time I watch it. N- no. Excuse? <laughs> yeah. Four is the worst of the four. I That's know we're going to fight on this. I think, I, I think everybody that listens to the show will fight you on that. I thought that four, four I, I loved a lot more. <laughs> and we'll talk about it next week, obviously, because you will be watching it. it yeah. But um, it is a better update. But three is, uh, I love those bangs. And I, I came around to them. You know, they were really oh, difficult. Amazing. When they first came out, I thought, I don't know. I think this is a risk that didn't work. And now, in retrospect, those bangs have definitely elevated that sequel to my number three position. Well, they on. elevated her forehead. I love that someone, someone tweeted a meme about her bangs, and Courtney mm-hmm. Cox replied, like, what Jesus fuck fucking Christ. I, know. <laughs> I love that. Yes. No, yeah. somebody was like, if you're ever having a bad day, at least you don't have Courtney Cox. That's what they the meme. Yeah, was. yeah. yeah. And she replied, and she was like, like what Jesus, fuck? what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched four. I saw you tweet yeah. that. Is that your first time seeing four? No. Okay. No. Um, what do you think? I, I, I think it ages well. It aged. Yes. It, it definitely aged better. well. And I was thoroughly entertained. And the, the um, is so fucking awesome. Oh my God. Yes. 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 Like Emma Roberts is like, so fucking great in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I love her in it. I love yes. her in it too. And like, I love that Craven layered mm-hmm. her as the killer throughout the movie. Like you looking back on it, you're like, holy shit. Of course she's a killer. She's mm-hmm. a whiny brat. The entire yes. movie. 
And I love it. Ugh. And yeah. what's our take on Kirby, um, Hayden Panettiere's character? Best character in the okay. movie. Okay. What it's happened to her? Is, though, I can't stop thinking about her in um, <laughs> Remember the Titans? Oh, when she's like a little <laughs> tiny girl. When she's like a baby. And that's like all I think of. And I, she annoyed the shit out of me in that movie. Because that mo- movie is annoying, period. Um, <laughs> And I just think I couldn't stop thinking about that. And then I obviously was like, but wait, is this a hot dyke in this movie? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, so then I felt conflicted. And then, mm-hmm. But yeah. I think she's the best of the new characters. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I, I definitely would agree. Were you with asking, that. do you think yeah. she's dead or alive? Is that what your oh, question I, is? Oh, no. We, come on. Like, <laughs> she's dead. She's dead. Yeah. But she's the single best thing in the entire movie. And look, I, we discussed this before, but I love me a soft butch in, in any gender presentation. Yes. Mm-hmm. Basically, all I want in the world is a lumberjack who will discuss Kesha's, uh, Kesha's like discography with me. That's like my exact Venn diagram. It's a good, it's a good personal <laughs> ad. There, there are those. Oh, yeah. There Maybe. Can, you, can <laughs> oh, yeah. you be a lesbian? Right. We, we could that's... probably think of a few. Just come, come be a lesbian. I'll think about it. Yeah. There was the one moment in part four, though, where he says that you practically have to be gay to live. Which is and that, oh, that, that's I'm, I'm a fake made up rule. I'm just going to bring, I mean, I, <laughs> that's why I want to point to it. It is a fake made up rule. Yeah. And I know it's that really it's trying to sound movie, right? edgy and it's trying to feel like, you know, it's like, Oh, we're, you know, new decade, new rules. And, and you can't forget it because they say it how many times, like not just the poster. I think twice in the movie. <sighs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but there's that moment. And it's like, man, no, uh, actually you have to be gay to be a fucking villain or die. Right. So, yeah. Which one are you? And it's like clear that line was written after Kevin had left. Because Kevin Williams said one never write that line. I think think a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Kevin, I wish. I wish. I want to live in that that timeline where it was all him. But I was trying to think about like any movies in that time period where gay people survived to the end. Were gay people in those movies at that time? There was Bride of Chucky, but he died. There was cursed right did he live to the end he did he did milo but yeah. okay. that was like that was a gay reveal no and it wasn't like gay it was like a, it was one, it was a yeah. joke more than anything yeah. well, but it, it was like i mean no i look, were you gonna say anything i love well, it i was just gonna say at that time like in the mid-2000s you get a lot of lesbian stalker movies yeah. so mm. i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> lesbian stalker always dies i mean even True. in 2011 yeah. when scream 4 was made i'm like what name a movie Robbie, like that's what I wanted to say to the character. (laughs) (laughs) Prove it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, maybe they meant how, like, you know how as gay folks or as queer folks, we just have this much deeper and better and more thorough understanding of everything because we've had to question so Mm. much because we're just don't fit in these boxes. And obviously you can still like want to be in those boxes as a queer person. Like Mm -hmm. that shit is ingrained in us. So we default to that often or, that's rude. I don't want to say it's a it's a default. If that's your choice, you know, you do you. But, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Boring. Um, Wouldn't be me. So yeah, I'm like, you know, I'm like, you have to be gay to, to live. I know. Obsessed. <laughs> we do live better. Have you ever seen those memes that's like um, talking about gender with cis people and then like talking about gender with trans people? And oh, yeah. Like, it was like Play-Doh versus yeah, like talking like a to mom with a Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like as gay people, I think, anyway, I think we talked about it a little bit our last episode or as queer people, we just constantly have to examine things because we don't fit there. It wasn't made for us. And we have to completely reimagine entire narratives and futures. And we're just 
so brilliant for that. Well, like we discussed last week, like we have to try to find like queer representation in the tiniest of details in movies. Otherwise we don't have any. Yeah. Or at least we didn't until recent. No, but I feel like in Scream 4, we're, I'm projecting myself way more on Emma Roberts or Hayden <laughs> oh, you know, I am than Emma I was Roberts, the actual gay character. Yeah. What, I mean, oh, okay, question. is he gay? Yeah, is he gay or is he, or is saying he that to putting try to on live. that mantle yeah, yeah. as a survival uh, tactic? That would be such a straight guy thing to do. Mm. Right. I'm like, you actually if it helps, that that's clearly your chance of survival. Ew. You dumbass. Are you serious? <laughs> and then he gets stabbed immediately. If it helps, that'll improve my chance of directing this film. <laughs> <laughs> Taking this franchise. Anyway. Yeah, well, we've, that's what we've been, mm-hmm. Michael and I have been on. I'll still watch four and talk about it. Of course. Please. <laughs> um, I watched uh, Detective Pikachu. <laughs> I saw it last night. Oh, you saw it too? Yeah. That's what you were seeing. For my friend's okay. birthday, yeah. Okay, did you like it, Michael? I had a ton of fun. How old did your friend turn? 34. Okay. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. Like a lot of fun. Okay. Do and you, I'm not a Pokemon person. I've never played. Did you have never any watched context the for anything that was happening? I mean, I know what it is, but no. Okay, so it, but it still played. Yeah, and I understood everything. And okay, yeah, it was cute. See, I, I was imagining because, like, I I was you know I was a huge Pokemon kid for a while, but I kind of fell off the games eventually because you know I went to college. But um, any Pokemon past like generation three or four, I felt like a parent. I was like, I have no idea what the fuck this thing is. <laughs> I don't know like what it does. <laughs> um, but it was it was fun. Like it's a you know kind of generic murder mystery type situation very family friendly um i really feel like i wish i had more to say about it except for the fact (laughs) um it has an almost effortlessly diverse cast in a way that they're not calling attention to it yeah i agree the only i mean look there's the leads a white man it's ryan reynolds as pikachu but you don't have to look at him (laughs) um (laughs) he's pikachu yeah and Every other male in the cast is a person of color, and there are only two white women in the movie, and the other women are people of color. So it's like a very... Well, the lead lead is a person of color, too, essentially. Yeah, yeah, the the lead man. um, The son. Yeah, so that's, like, interesting. I liked that. Um, I Also, this movie is another piece of propaganda in the machine that's trying to convince me that Rita Ora is a famous person. (laughs) Stop trying to get me to like Rita Ora. Stop trying to get Rita Ora to happen. It's not going to happen. (laughs) She's fine in the movie, though. No, no, she's not bad. She's serviceable. I just, I feel like I'm being lied to. Y'all catty. Who is she? No, just because, look. They keep pushing her. In 2013 or whenever, was it 2015? When Fifty Shades of Grey came out. She has a cameo in that movie and the song on the soundtrack. And I'm like, girl doesn't even have an album yet. I know there were issues with her. Yeah, she's his sister. But I was just... Look, I know I know she had issues with her like record contract that did not lead to her having an album, but I was like, I don't know who this person is or why I need to be excited when people are telling me. I didn't know it was her until after the movie. <laughs> until someone told and then me after the she movie. She replaced Tyra Banks in America's Next Top Model. I'm like, who are you? She's hosting America's Next Top Model. Oh, not anymore. Oh. <laughs> well, who's hosting it now? I think Tyra's back. Oh, really? Well, I think that's the issue Tyra's is like back. you're pushing, you're acting like she's already famous, but I don't know who she is. Yeah, they, did, they try to do confusing. that with people. Like yeah. they did that with Alex Pettifer. They did that with Amy oh, yeah. Schumer. I was like, who is this? Yeah, I remember Alex Pettifer was like <laughs> billed over the top of a poster. I'm like, did yeah, I and, see that guy at Starbucks yesterday? Who the fuck is this? Yeah, and look, I, I'm not anti Rita Ora being famous. I just want her to be famous when she's famous. She does have a song about being bisexual. Mm-hmm. The That's first true. thing that came up when I Googled her right now okay. <laughs> to see who it was. Um, is Rita Ora <laughs> wanted to set her hair on fire at the 2019 Met Gala. Oh. <laughs> 
That would have been like her. I read that. And I want to know what that's about. It still wouldn't have been enough for the gays. They would have been like, who is this again? No, the, the, gay, the, the gays do like to lift up someone who's not very famous, yeah. and she's one of them. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a good point. I don't know. Pikachu's fun. Yeah, Watch no, it when it's it on Netflix. Fun. Also, He's, I, Pikachu's so cute. Too. He is. I saw Wine Country on Netflix. No, thanks. Um, I love all those those gals, but... I don't. I don't mean to be such like so saucy on this episode. On no, this, like, tea time. But look, this is another one of those Netflix movies where they assemble maybe the best cast in the world and then have them do absolutely nothing. It, we've got Amy Poehler. We've got Maya Rudolph. Um, Anna Gasteyer. Rachel Dratch. Um, Tina Fey. Tina Fey in a couple scenes. <laughs> Paula um, Pell. Jason yeah, Schwartzman. Oh God, yeah, Paula Pell. Jason Schwartzman. Sherry um, Terry. No, please. Oh, I love Where Sherry. Um, what happened to yeah. Sherry? But this is this is like one of those later period Adam Sandler movies where they made it so they could have a vacation. Probably Amy um, Poehler wrote. <laughs> yeah, and she directed it too, right? Yeah, she wrote and directed it. It's her directorial debut, which is disappointing. Um, but look, uh, a lot of comedians transitioning into being a director, it can be very challenging because comedy, modern comedy, doesn't necessarily require a lot visually. And so there's just, it's very static. Well, when like, the movie sounded like, I remember reading like how it came together and it literally was like Amy Poehler went on a wine country trip with her friends and like made a movie based on that. It's like, she like literally was on her way home and was like, I'm going to make a movie about this. Yeah. It, it's very, yeah. yeah. It's very it's like people, happened like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the cast sounds fantastic. If yeah. Rita Ora's yes. not in it, I'm not one. <laughs> Hard pass. It's it's very sloppily improvised. It's it's boring. Yeah, the trailer was boring. Um, it's it's the older ladies version of Ibiza, that other movie that Netflix made. That that's looks, also the exact same thing. Oh my God, Brennan, I wish you were keeping me from watching this movie. But the more you talk about it, the more I know it's what I'm going to do when I get home. Well, let me know. I th- the, okay, literally. Although one one shining light in this movie is that Paula Pell, who is a I lesbian in real life, Pell. her character is also a lesbian, and she's the only one who has any sort of like real romantic subplot. Oh, cool! And I was so invested in that, and nothing else in the movie. Of course, I think Paula yeah. Pell's really funny. She's great. I can't believe someone made a movie about the very last thing I would ever want to like walk up on, which is a bunch oh, yeah. of white women in wine country. The barest wisp of a conflict does not show up until 50 minutes into the movie. <laughs> um, Love it. What about uh, you, Sam? Yeah. yeah Sam. So I was in the mood for uh, something spooky and I was driving past a poster for Dead to Me and I thought, uh-huh. okay, oh. this must be. Oh, I can't so wait I, to I see that. Google because I'm like, all right, I'm going to read. And it was like uh, these two women. It's Christine Applegate. Yeah. Become yeah. best friends um, at a group for people who like a grief counseling group for people who died. So I assumed that they were dead. Right. And this is like a full Beetlejuice situation. <laughs> right. So I'm stoked and I'm like in and I'm, I'm really watching. Oh, this is getting good. And they never die. And then I'm like. Oh, this is just a drama. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, six episodes later, I'm weeping on my couch because yeah, it's like it's great. talking about grief. And it's, um, and I am conflicted because part of it, it's like it's set in Orange County and I just do not care <laughs> about anything in these women's lives. Um, Look, I grew up in Orange County. I agree. Hey, I want, I <laughs> it is like the most, like the least interesting place on earth. It, it, and it, yeah. they keep trying to make it interesting. They're like, this toll road goes to Yorba Linda. And I'm like, first of all, no, it doesn't. But also, <laughs> oh, God, I yeah. don't want to hear it. But it's fine. Wait, what toll road goes to Yorba Linda? It's Just the one in right to me. Yeah, girl. I mean, and then and I pulled it God. up and I'm like, well, like, does, I mean, the 73 is. No, but I mean, because I went to. <laughs> pulled it up. Fucking nerd. <laughs> no, I had to know. Uh, but it just. Uh, yeah, it, I'm I'm pretty into it. I love the cast. Um, we have our lead from uh, 
La Llorona. Yeah. Linda Cardellini. I love Lucky her in anything. I watched Legally Slay. Blonde yesterday and I forgot she was in that. She is? She's <laughs> Chutney. The one she's that's so like, hot in that. I know, and she's got that awful perm. I know. Oh, but she's still me. so pretty. I know. I'm like, yeah. be in the movie more. Yeah. I love an evil bitch. I love oh, that yeah. movie. Yeah. <laughs> so I love Legally Blonde. Mm-hmm. And I'm so excited they're making Legally Blonde 3 with Reese Witherspoon. Wow. Thank Legally you. Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde. That's horrible, but yeah. I love the it's first bad, one. It's bad, but yeah. yeah. I watched it not that long ago. Yeah. It's Watch like it whenever it's on like, TNT. Yeah. <laughs> So Sam, so yeah, big recommend. Um, right now, uh, it's 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 a lukewarm recommend in, in terms of like I fucking love it, but I recognize that it's not for everybody. Oh, really? Because I've heard nothing yeah. but praise from people. Okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I had a friend who literally it dropped, and she watched it all, like right away. What I like is She's like I couldn't stop. I I do enjoy. <clears throat> uh, I, Conflict that feels uh, pretty surface level, and then processing something much darker like grief. I'm super into feelings, so <laughs> watching you. anything of that, yeah, can you believe it? <laughs> so it's it's um, like a straightforward drama. A like, I think there's a lot. Yeah. Of there's, there's a ton of comedy. Okay. Yeah, a ton of comedy. The trailer, okay. makes yeah, it, no, it's hilarious. The trailer makes it look like a straight comedy. Yeah, yeah. there are just dramatic elements that I I'm, and I heard Christina Applegate is like. Never been better. But like, also, I credit House ever. Bunny, so I don't even want to. You love know what I mean? Like, House I don't know. Bunny. I actually credit. I credit House Bunny too. House Bunny is legitimately good. House Bunny's great. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. See, and so in my world, House Bunny's a drama. So you guys <laughs> tell me. I mean, she's like a a woman who gets like cast out. She's like from nowhere. She turned there. Like, turned like twenty seven. Right, or something. right. She's yeah. an orphan. <laughs> she like turned to sex work she as like a way a to like match. have a life and a family. Mm. It's actually really tragic. It is. Yeah. It's like a tragedy. Yeah. 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 Shakespeare. It's so cute and it. funny. And I it love is. Emma St- It's like Emma Stone's big uh, first movie. Right. And mm. Kat Dennings, who I love. Mm. And, Anna Ferris is like hot in it. Mm-hmm. She's got those little outfits. Oh, Anna Ferris is hot in anything. <laughs> I love mom, and so I'm a big fan of Anna Ferris. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love her too. What have you been watching? Um, well, I recently watched Basic Instinct again. I've seen it a million times, but mm-hmm. I recently watched it again for my podcast. Um, <laughs> you? And uh, obviously, you know, I talk about all of the, the dyke drama themes in that movie. Um, and then in terms of new stuff, like drama, that just hit my ears. <laughs> yeah, so I good. love it. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, and in terms of new stuff, I've obsessed with all the DD Blanchard shit, like mm. the act. Girl. And I recently rewatched mommy dead and dearest, mm, which, too. you know, happy mother's day. Okay, I'm stealing, <laughs> I'm stealing Annie out on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand. yeah. Just and, have a Munchausen party. Oh my god! I'm yeah. obsessed. Not Munchausen's, but Munchausen's by proxy. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. obsessed yeah. with. Like probably, yeah. It's horrible, but like I can't stop watching. Shit I can't. It. It's like it. It's it like turns my stomach. That uh-huh. story. But it's so. And I can't stop. Like, Someone was in here talking about it post show, and they mentioned a big story. It was Chingy or it was Joel. It was a big story about a dad who had it. It was the first Ooh. time I ever heard of a father well, having it. it's usually coded as like a woman's mm-hmm. disease. Yeah, because I think women have so little agency that like this is something they control. is mm-hmm. like their child or like a disabled partner. And oh, yeah, it's so – it is really fascinating. And even when doctors talk about Munchausen's by proxy, they use she, her pronouns to talk about like oh, per- no perpetrators. Yeah, I noticed that when I was like watching a bunch of documentaries on YouTube because I'm crazy. 
and I'm I'm just like upset. The act though, I mean, Patricia Arquette is really good in it. At the same time, though, like Dee Dee Blanchard was fat, so I'm like just cast a fat woman. <laughs> like yeah. Patricia Arquette, like walking around in her moo-moos, like they're trying to make her look horrible um, and and like bloated. And I'm like just cast a fat person. Like I think feel like Chrissy Metz would have been amazing oh. in it. Like well, it, she was busy praying for her son to come out of his oh ice God, coma. What the fuck is that? Is that like a <laughs> film <laughs> that movie? No, no breakthrough. That's a real, it's like a yeah, Christian it's like a faith-based movie. Film, oh yeah, yeah. Right? one of those. She, Any movie that's live action and PG is Christian. <laughs> <laughs> like immediately. We were. At, I was at the movie theater last night, and a Dog's Journey trailer came out. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. my buddy next to me just goes, "That looks." fucking christian it does <laughs> you can just tell you can just tell well, the dog no it's like, it's about dog reincarnation though which i feel like is how explicitly many f- anti-christian but how many fucking dogs die then i mean i have to sit and watch a dog die oh, this, is, this is the second movie of the string of dog deaths so a lot God. is a do- is this movie tied to a dog's purpose yeah it's, it's like a sequel. sequel to a dog's okay purpose. was that the but, movie none of us could watch because they were abusing dogs on set yeah yeah oh, I saw the video of it. This is the sequel to A Dog's Purpose? Yeah. (laughs) And it's called, what's it called? It's called A Dog's Journey, unrelated to the Bryce Dallas Howard movie, A Dog's Way Home, that came out in like January. I thought I'd been seeing trailers for this movie for two years for like and they just haven't released it. Yeah. And I've been telling people it's that movie that just hasn't come out. It's no, like the it's new mutants of dog movies. Oh my God. The new I'm not into this like wave of weird like dog servant movie like a dog's purpose like fuck you the dog's mm-hmm. purpose is to like make you happy like <laughs> i hate that also i don't want josh gad in my life in any form let alone 18 different <laughs> oh, <laughs> sunday before i'm so sorry bring out the bitch no i love it i hate olaf the character i'm sorry it's just <sighs> not for me this is olaf from frozen going. yeah <laughs> Yeah, because it's Josh. Yeah, because it's we're, Josh. We're Gad. here for the pretty girls. We're no, not no, here look, for Olaf. I dislike Josh Gad because of Olaf, and that's the only reason. I'm sure he's a person. I don't know anything about him. I'm sure he's a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I'm sure he's a nice person. He's like, you know what? I don't know that. I'm sure he's a person. <laughs> were you a big fan of 1600 Pen then? I never watched it. I didn't either. I like John Lovett. <sighs> I love it. All right, sorry. Um, Well, since we have an actual vampire here, I think we should take advantage of that (laughs) and um, start talking about this movie that Annie picked. Do we have a trailer, Brennan? We do. Um, Do you want to introduce the title first? Yes. So, um, Dracula's Daughter. Here we are, 1936. The castle. Dracula. He's come back. Sandra, look at me. What do you see in my eyes? Yes. Do you like jewels, Lily? She's very old and very beautiful. Please don't come any closer. (laughs) All your skill can't help her now. She's under a spell that can be broken only by me. Exactly. Or death. (laughs) So do you think this movie scared the shit out of people when they saw it in the 30s? I think so. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like, her pulling her straps down, A, probably was like, (gasps) sex. And then she (laughs) screams and they probably got scared. They originally wanted her to be completely topless. Oh, no kidding. What? Yeah. Um, And, of course, that they wouldn't... Could have passed the code or whatever. Right. Well, this is, I think, I believe, pre-Hayes code, but um, it's starting to... 
to be to creep in to be enforced. It's yeah. post Hays Code, okay, but not yeah. by long, and because it really started being enforced in thirty four. Okay, so thirty six was like, yeah, all right, we're here. And this movie right, was right. in development for a couple of years, so it would have been on that like right. Line, I guess. Yeah. When did the Hays Code end? Sixties. It was like thirty years after that. Yeah, it's the sixties. So I remember. I think Psycho went through the Hays Code. Right. Let's it wasn't explain the for our listeners. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not uh, me though. Okay. <laughs> Sam, do it. Sure. So, uh, his code refers to a set of rules that was put into place to, you know, uh, censor movies. And that could include anything from, um, showing a, a white slave or a depiction of like a white person in slavery or. It, it was a very specific codified yeah, set of rules instead of like rating movies, PGR, whatever. Every movie had to pass basically as, I guess, what we would think of as PG. Um, there were really specific rules for horror movies too. It's like you could have a monster, but the monster had to die by the end of the movie. And just a lot of really like you could, huh. you could show two people in a bedroom, but they couldn't be sitting on the bed or they couldn't like both be touching. It was very, very specific. Mm-hmm. Wow. And Except act- when it comes to queer representation, it was very, it, I, it is very specific and like weirdly specific and like, mm. but there are other things that were just implied and kind of taken like queer, queer representation, for example, mm. because it, it becomes implied that a queer person can look and appear as queer if they're the villain. But that happened about mm. 10 years after that. Although Dracula's daughter kind of plays with that. What were you going to say, Annie, about the actor? Oh, the actors also had to follow the Hayes Code, as like in their personal lives. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, they were not, wow. yeah, um, you know, allowed. I mean, maybe like somebody can correct me, but in my understanding that that, that was part of it. Um, as like the studio executives. Yeah, like, but an openly gay with drugs and-, <laughs> <laughs> an openly gay man was originally supposed to direct this movie. Um, the director James Wall Whale, um, but yeah, they it probably would have been a lot gayer. I actually have a little bit of a story about that. Um, I was doing a little bit of research into the history of this movie. This movie, okay. First of all, as have have we decided as a culture how to pronounce the Lemely family name? Is it Lamel? No. Is it Lemley? Yeah. Is it what is it? What are we? I always say Lamel. Lamel. But I'm cool with that. Yeah. This movie was the destruction of the Lamel Empire. Yes. Um, first of all, because James Whale, who did Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, they really wanted him to make this movie, and he really did not want to make it. So he was like, "I'll make the movie." If you make it with this script that I have written, and it was the most outrageous, shocking thing ever. And obviously they couldn't make it. So, you know, they had to can him and he went on to make another movie that wasted a lot of their money. Mm, um, and uh, David Oselznik, the producer behind Gone with the Wind and Rebecca, which is another one of our older movies we've talked about. When Dracula became such a hit, he snapped up the rights to the Bram Stoker short uh, Dracula's Guest. So he could hold it hostage from the Lamels. Oh, that's so funny. And they paid an exorbitant amount of money for the rights to that, which they barely ended up using because this is not an adaptation of Dracula's Guest, except that there's a lady vampire in it. And so they lost a lot of money. And two days after shooting wrapped on this, they got completely booted out by a corporate takeover and they never made another movie. Wow. Holy shit. Hmm. It's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. Well, do we have shady summaries? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually don't. Okay. I know Annie does. (laughs) Uh, So my shady summary is lonely goth lesbian seeks codependent relationship with submissive blonde bombshell to come live in decaying castle filled (gasps) with familial trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yes. Anyone else? Uh, I have one. Um, it turns out tedium is a hereditary trait, and the male is the carrier. <laughs> <laughs> the male is the carrier. 
No, no, Sam. No. Um, I, mine is not so much a, a shady summary, but just something that I think the main point I took away was that um, I'd be so sad to be a fine ass lesbian vampire and never be able to see myself in the mirror. <laughs> that is so sad. I'd have people sketching me yeah, for on real. a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> She's a but yeah, how exactly. is her eye makeup so on fucking so point? Good. I mean, Sander does it. Yo. Yeah. We, well, I his was wrote, too. I wrote down with asterisks. I need a Sandor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except yes. when he's like, well, fucking betrays her at the end. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I would expect that to happen. So Van Helsing, Von Helsing, Von Helsing, In- gay, right? I mean, with a name like that, and like just kind of like his whole like he's always reading by the fire. Yeah, he was like right. kind of reading them. <laughs> Sorry, and I, I wasn't being rude to correct you. I just they no. changed his name to Von Helsing after the first one, and I'm so mad about that. Instead of Van Helsing, yeah, because that's what they, it was in the original. Why did they change it to Von? You know, maybe they, I don't know, didn't wear their glasses that day. I don't okay. know, <laughs> like it's a round shape, something. <laughs> he was, but he, this is also the only uh, actor from the first movie. Yeah. Oh, right. So he should have known. That. Yeah. He should have been like, what's going on with this? Right. Did I haven't seen Dracula in the first movie in forever. So did this pick up where that left off or no? It is, yeah, it's picking up right after he's Got it. killed. And was that the same actor in the box? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to yeah. say that wasn't him. Huh? I also wanted to say that the uh, this movie was considered very scandalous really? when it came out. Yeah. And uh, the BBFC, the vice president of the BBFC fumed that the film would require the resources of a dozen more languages to adequately express its beastliness oh. and considered it absolutely unfit for exhibition as a film. Jeez. Oh my God, people suck. People, they, people are so afraid of women, as they should be. <laughs> as they fucking should be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, you know, I mean, we've been talking forever about, like, what movie you would do if you came here. And, like, we've, you know, um, talked about a lot of different ones. But this is the one you ended up picking. Why is that? So I picked this not because it's my favorite movie. Although, I mean, M- Maria Zaleska's outfits alone. Mm. I mean, come right? on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a very stylish movie. Yes. More, more so than a lot of the other Universal monster movies. Um, but... The reason I chose this is because, well, obviously I'm obsessed with lesbian vampires. And this is, besides an earlier movie, Vampire, which is kind of loosely based on um, Sheridan Lefanu's Carmilla, mm-hmm. which is used, which is about a lesbian vampire, which is used again and again in lesbian vampire movies throughout the, the 60s, 70s, and 80s. Um, it's kind of like the touchstone. Uh, this doesn't use Carmilla, so it's unique in that way. Um, but also, I know because I'm an avid listener of this podcast, I know that you guys have done The Hunger and Vampiros mm-hmm. Lesbos. Mm-hmm. And Vampiros Lesbos is kind of like the the 70s vampire lesbian movie that you talk about if you're going to talk about right. lesbian vampire movies in the 70s. Um, and then The Hunger is kind of like the neo, like new lesbian vampire. But this is the the original, the original girl. So... The, the grandmommy. Yeah, OG. exactly. Yeah. Grandmommy indeed. Yeah. 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 She's mommy for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So while it's 
it's maybe not the most <sighs> exciting or my favorite lesbian vampire movie. I just think it's very interesting historically. Yeah. And also how hated it was by these men. I mean, that alone makes it a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that True. pisses off straight men. Yes. It's okay. Into with me. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I have developed, um, like warm feelings for many people who I probably wouldn't have just because of the kind of reactions they bring out in people I don't like. So back, like <laughs> way back in the day, Kanye, I used to just love how his arrogance pissed off like arrogant white men. And I, I just was standing just for that. <laughs> and like, obviously that's a way different story now and we're not even going to get into it because I will, I mean, I'm not going to talk about that period unless mm. it's with, well, anyway, I don't know. I don't know who that who that is, but <laughs> it's not this. And um, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. So if it pissed men off, I'm like, what is it? Absolutely. Yeah. The Can history behind the film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the history behind the film is in a lot of ways more interesting than the actual film. I mean, if you just watch it without the context, you're like, what even happens in this movie? Um, but with the context and it just being so considered so sexual for the time, which nothing sexual even happened, Mm-mm. but that scene where uh, Countess Zaleska is going to feed on that, you know, sex worker, basically. Lily. Yeah, Lily that she hires to come model for her was considered extremely scandalous wow. at the time. Yeah. And did, did it affect, do you know if it affected either actress's career? Um, that I don't know. Be interesting to look into, especially yeah. Lily, since she had such like kind of that was a small part. Right, so. she had a small part. Gloria Holden, I believe, had a pretty good career. Um, but yeah, like you said, it ruined the the Lamel. Oh yeah, no look, yeah. ruining the straight men. That's what this movie's yeah, all about. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah. just this little movie that's like an hour and ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. The perfect runtime. Flies yes. by. Yeah, it flies by. Yeah. Which you know, to be quite honest, I cannot tolerate movies from this period for more than like an hour. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of true. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. Get laborious just, after you know, a minute. I, right. I just have such like a millennial sensibility where I'm like, okay, 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 and you know, like even. For me, even for somebody who loves old movies, like it's yeah, the Universal monster movies. I'm like, all right, let's uh, let's move it along here. Yeah, right. Uh, I love thinking about how, what people's reactions might have been to this movie, and thinking about how important um, it is for these things to have been introduced into people's um, just accessible kind of media. And I think about whatever our current thing is now that feels risque or like things that are still pushing the boundaries and how scary it can feel to do that and feel like it really doesn't make a difference to like live your life authentically in that way. But it really does. It really is impactful to see things like that and to experience um, being able to see yourself. I mean, not that you feel reflected in Zaleska but um, I do a little bit, but you know, some people do and that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, Vito Russo also talks about this movie in um, the celluloid closet, which is, you know, one of those seminal Mm -hmm. books about queerness and film. And I, I I guess I just wanted to ask y'all what, why do you feel like lesbian lesbianism and vampirism are so often tied together in horror films? Hmm. Ooh. Brennan. I mean, <laughs> I mean, vampires are seductive creatures. 
That's what they're about. Vampires kind of harness sexuality and manipulation and influence. And that is a lot of the things that people at that time associated with women and thought was a danger in women. They're like, oh, seductive women, how dangerous. They're going to make me do things with my penis. Um, <laughs> I also think it's fantasy, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's straight guy fantasy. You know, you see even now, like outside of lesbian vampire, you see older movies and you see what some female characters do in a movie. And it's like, that is a straight guy reliving a moment in his life or f- playing out a fantasy he's had as like a teenager. For sure. Because human beings don't act like this in reality. Sure. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of that here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a taboo subject, but they can tackle it because it's, I'm doing air quotes, fiction, mm-hmm. you know? Well, and it, it, it's not sex. It's a metaphor. The kiss that never happened. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the kiss that never happens. Okay. She every gets blocked by Jeffrey at the end of the movie. <laughs> right. Um, Jeffrey. And it's also one of the first vampire movies that equates vampirism with female hysteria, right? Oh, because, yeah. yeah, Jeffrey is yeah. a psychologist or mm-hmm. and um, is actually supposed to be defending Von Helsing um, in the movie. And then, oh, yeah, that was, I forgot about that. Right, I forgot about that too. Right. I just watched it this morning. Right. And then, <laughs> and then meets. <laughs> and then meets Countess Zaleska. But before this, um, and I want to also give uh, credit to Diabolique magazine, which um, wrote, wrote about this kind of connection here. Um, Dracula from 1931, Mm -hmm. there is no angst with Dracula's character, except that he wants to have be reunited with his love, right? There's no angst about, being a vampire in the same way. And mm. Countess Aleska is tormented. You know, she says multiple times yeah. like she yeah. wants to be a normal woman, specifically normal woman, not a normal human, which right. leads me to believe that there's some sort of like inversion, you know, therapy language at the time that this came out, right? Women are lesbians are inverted women. Um that's, you know, Freud's analysis right. of it. And she's broken up about it. You know, she has a lot of internalized self-hatred right. in this movie. Yeah, she does. She wants to get rid of being a vampire. She doesn't sort of like revel in the darkness like we see later vampires doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's very hesitant. Yes. Like, yeah. and like very scared of herself. Yes. Yeah. And she considers her affliction to be an addiction and they even compare it to alcoholism Mm -hmm. in the film. Um, Jeffrey, you know, talks about the worst treatment for alcoholics. I can imagine where they're like, we sit them down and we put them in front of a a glass and we, you know, we just tell them you can't touch it. And that's how we, that's how we fight addiction. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And she, you know, she thinks of her lust for female blood as an addiction. I mean, she does have one male victim in the movie, uh, but it's sort of like a, Happens. Yeah, it just kind of <laughs> happens. They really happens. focus on her, um, her female victims. Yeah, I mean, her desire to be cured is so heartbreaking. Um, and because I, I think for a lot of queer folks, it's like I know I definitely when I was young, mm-hmm. even before I had a sexual attraction to women, was scared that I was gay. Same. 
I was like, oh, me too. Dear yeah. God, like I would pray, please just don't let me be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, I cried when I realized I was gay. Yeah. When I was 12. It's fucking terrifying. Yeah. I was like, wow, life's going to suck. Yeah. You, I, I remember being like, oh, yeah. so you really are a pervert. Like that's, that's not like. Yeah, I remember having, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. Adults. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> uh, and just, it made me think of conversion therapy, and obviously, um, and I meant to look up, because it's rapidly changing, I mean rapidly, it's never fast enough, but it is changing right now, how many states where that is still a thing that is legal to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I mean, so easily relatable for all of us. Uh, even if we had the best family ever, it's pretty easy to empathize with someone who didn't. And that just kept coming up so much in the movie. Um, and how ugh, she really thought like her dad being dead would do it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, and it's family like nothing, trauma. Yeah, nothing yeah. works. Like you have your beard husband. Yeah. Man, uh, and, like, and, but you're both gay. Yes. Yeah. Totally <laughs> happens all the time. Oh my yeah. God. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was totally like the gay. Who's just like, it's not going away. Yeah. You're going to be He's <laughs> pulling her back to the dark side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that goes back to what, uh, what draws queer people to vampires or when you were asking about lesbian, why, why do we connect lesbians with vampires? I know that for me, it's like, there's no going back. And when a horror audience is watching her story in Dracula's daughter, it's like, we know there's no fixing it. Like, and, and it's heartbreaking watching her try and fix something that once she's been turned, there's no coming back. And I think there's a danger for straight people or us who aren't out when thinking about queerness. It's like, if I experiment with that, what if I like it? There's no turning back. Mm-hmm. And there's this, it's a slippery slope. I know I identified so much with vampire films growing up before I'd ever even been with a man. It was just like mm-hmm. this fear that this thing in me, what if I like it? And the part that, of Dracula's daughter that struck me so hard with that was when she asked, um, when she was back at her castle and she says, but who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want immortality? And it was like, yeah, okay. Uh, to her, it's very clear that the powers that come with it um, and then his response, he was just utterly frightened. And I, I think that there is a fantasy, right, of, like, getting to the other side and having those things, but knowing that socially, that's it. There's no coming back. Right. And if you think about it also, is, as I do, from, like, coming from a BDSM standpoint, part of the appeal is, like, surrender and just, like, surrendering to this person yes. who's just, like – attending to you Mm. and hurting you, but also pleasing you. And those things are so tied together. And there's just something really appealing about just completely just being consumed by like a beautiful person Mm -hmm. who wants only you. Whose last name has three syllables. Like you already know (laughs) it's going down. (laughs) (laughs) And you can raid her closet. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I never understood why when I was a kid when I was watching vampire movies like why the people wouldn't want that I was, Same. I was like why would you not want, want to, to like live yeah stay yeah. young live forever in gothic splendor with like this gorgeous <laughs> like, person sensu- like with sensuality around right. everyone is just yeah. like meeting their needs constantly yeah so hedonistic I was so enthralled with that concept of like wanting something and be able being able to satiate that yeah. as a kid because I felt like Christianity was so much about abstinence of all kinds and 
not only do you have to worry about like eventually committing the sin, but you also have to feel bad about the thoughts that you're having. Um, and like just literally feeling guilty 24 seven for everything that you yeah. are. And the, like the fantasy of being able to indulge in all kinds of things that, um, I always, as a kid thought what vampires are doing, I pictured like ancient Rome like, people just like <laughs> laying around doing everything that feels good Absolutely. all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that like, I want that, but I know that I'm a bad kid for wanting that. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And what else is there to do when you're undead except lounge yeah. around and, and <laughs> yeah. indulge and you have all the time in the world. And I mean, it's just pure hedonism. And like you were it's saying, fine. um, even though she's tormented by it, she also knows it's like the best, mm-hmm. which I think is very <laughs> relatable as a queer person, you know, 100%. very often. Well, I mean, I'm moving past this the more I get older, but we'll, you know, think about all of the things I don't have access to and the way that I get treated when I'm in straight spaces. And I'm like, wow, this really fucking sucks. And like, I hate this. And then when I'm affirmed in way, ways that, you know, validate my identity and I'm around like-minded people. <laughs> greatest thing ever it's, there's nothing better than that right so you know it's very much a push and pull between like knowing you're better you're better off i mean straight people seem miserable so i don't <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I, knowing you're you're better off but also being very tormented by it because of like this cultural messaging you get through your whole life and also as a young person and especially as like a a femme lesbian like you you're told you're not supposed to you know you're not supposed to be like that like i you know when more masculine presenting women um i think they have i don't want to say i they have it easier or anything i think everybody has it hard in their own way but there's kind of an idea like oh well she's be you can't save her like she's beyond you know but then when you're femme people are like but why yes but men like you yeah and mm-hmm. you you know we could save you like mm-hmm. it's okay like you just haven't met a guy there's just the concept of performing femininity not for men mm-hmm. is very difficult for people oh, to yeah. understand because we understand the fem arts which they are arts <laughs> yes as <laughs> ways of entrapping a, a male mate and the I- idea of doing it for other women. And especially if you're femme for femme, like the idea of doing it for other yeah. femmes is just very, even now very confusing for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know what? Everything that you just, on uh, my mind, cause I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Just went. <laughs> it's, it's so far gone from here right now because that is, it's so, I, it makes me feel like, so badass to be a woman that loves women um, and like a sometimes feminine woman who loves feminine women. Like I, it's so powerful. It's so powerful. And I feel like uh, along my journey of like coming out in all these different ways, like I definitely just get gayer and gayer. And I feel like the, the peak gay of being like femme for femme, I feel I'm like, is this the end of the video game? And like, <laughs> am I going to explode with of gold coins? Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like what's about to happen. Right. But it's because it's, it's so damn powerful. And I think Zaleska definitely. Oh, she's femme for femme she, yeah, for life. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. She's going to die for that shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And she, you know, um, <laughs> She's going to die for that. Yeah, no, seriously, though. (laughs) Um, And she, 
yeah, I mean, I, I, got, I kind of lost my train of thought, but um, yeah. She she just needed to bide her time, get to like the 21st century, live right. in LA and be an artist. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I equate a lot of that stuff with our queerness, with like how fortunate we are to be in cities like LA and New York. Yeah. And also like proactively work in things we love too. Because I, I look back at my roots and I equate just doing jobs for a living as like a total straight thing too. like people that work mm-hmm. jobs just to get the paycheck to pay, put like, I mean, a lot of us do that, but I equate it with like a lot of my connections back home. No one does what they love. They do what they have to, um, which is great. I think it's like honorable, but at the same time, I equate my queerness with being here and being able to be a writer and like struggling at it but also like having success and then also loving what I do. And like, I think that's part of queer culture too, to me, oh, because, absolutely. Yeah. you because, know, like, you know, you can do it. The world is your oyster. There's no model for you. You don't have yeah. to have like a nuclear family setup, even though some queer people do choose to live that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely not, you know, I always say, I'm like, no, I'm a deviant sex pervert. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like freak. It's okay. Like, it's, <laughs> people deny themselves wants and needs and things they love just because they feel they have to. Absolutely. And I, I think that involves queerness and art and, and entertainment and stuff. So I just find it super, I'm just so glad I'm here every day. Yeah. It's and, amazing. <laughs> and foundationally, um, obviously being queer isn't a choice, but being out and queer is a choice. It's a very important choice. And like at its core, that is choosing love. That is choosing to embrace the things that you love, whether or not it's romantic love or whatever. Um, and that also, you know, would bleed into career and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you were saying, Michael, really interests me because it, I love uh, Christmas movies, made-for-TV Christmas movies. Uh-huh. I fucking love that shit. And I also love Lifetime Trash. And here's the thing. Doing what you love is the enemy of those films. So if you watch and you are – You're so fucking right. That's always yeah. the moral. So it's um, – you know, if you're a, if you're a successful person, uh, killing it in your career, especially if you're a woman, you have to learn to go back home – find your roots, prioritize your family, even if they're difficult and choose love or being in a smaller place. They're very like haze code moralizing films. It is the same thing, but it's now. And if you can watch it through that lens, I swear to God, you will love Christmas. Like I love Christmas. (laughs) It is, it's, it's, it's trash. It's hetero trash, and it's, I love it. I love but it. that's also, what sets us apart. It's pure camp too, because yes. it's unintentional oh, yeah. camp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I, mean, so, I know a, quite a few gay men that write those movies. Oh, yeah. I think yeah. it's yeah. very much one hundred percent on purpose camp oh, in those absolutely. in those situations. Yeah. yeah. Well, ha- sorry. Oh no, no no go ahead. I was just gonna have you strayed into evangelical trash? Uh, oh, yeah, yes. girl. Like the fall out of a tree and pray to God. I'm here. Um, there is a Christmas movie called Wish for Christmas. It's, <laughs> it's about a girl whose dad is Joey Lawrence and her mom is the mom from Good Luck Charlie. And her parents are like super Christian, but she wants to go to this high school dance that's on Christmas Eve, but her parents want to take her to church. Um, so she wishes that her parents weren't Christians anymore. And God grants wishes like he does. So he shows, and- her, what like. So he shows her what it's like not to be Christian. Yeah. It's it's like a very like it's a wonderful <laughs> life thing where her parents turn into atheists and they say things oh like God. Happy Holidays. <gasps> dun 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 ah. and Brandy, she, one more time. What is the title of this? It's called Wish for Christmas. You 
need to watch it. Freaking out. This is amazing. (laughs) It's so good. Can you guys imagine for a second if Christian people were sitting around on a podcast talking about watching queer films? They're like, eating out three changed my life. (laughs) Oh, you're so trash. That's so weird. Queer trash. (laughs) (laughs) My boyfriend worked on that movie. Really? Oh my God. Marry him now. Eating out three has the best. The best sequel opening of any movie of all time. He, um, it was like Come when he first moved here, and he was a PA. That is amazing. Mm. The Eating Out mm. franchise. Oh boy, is I, I had I a love beard that we a in dick high every school. Movie. Loved those movies. Oh yeah, yeah. You're, you get yeah. a dick shot. Shout out to movie, Brian. Right? Yes. Also a Brian. <laughs> yeah. Oh I'll, my god! I, but what I wanted to I wanted to say something about what Michael had said about uh, female vampirism being a male fantasy. And this is something I address a lot and why I started my own podcast is because oftentimes I find that I identify with the male fantasy in like this weird kind of way because Mm -hmm. I think – and I was talking about this last night with one of my friends. When lesbians make films, not to generalize, but there's a lot of kind of of counteraction of this history, which of course that makes a lot of sense. But it becomes more like – wholesome-ish kind of granola, like, (laughs) you know, more realistic representations of just, like, kind of comfortable or – I mean, it is definitely, of course, more realistic because it's written by lesbians. But like, like what kind of mo- like what titles are we talking about? I'm thinking of, like, The Kids Are All Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like – and then some movies from the 90s, like The Incredibly Adventured – Incredibly true adventure of two girls in love. I mean, kids art has like pasteurized lesbianism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It went through like the milk plant and Truly. It came in put into a carton. Right. Yeah. But then <laughs> I want there to still be room for fantasy. Well, in fantasy is great. Yeah. yeah. And there's no, um, there's few like lesbian, out lesbian directors that I can think of that are making movies that are still this kind of like dark fantasy mm-hmm. of like sexy and yeah. sexy yeah. and sensual and men are not afraid to go there because they're so entitled. So they don't care about doing any, doing it responsibly or whatever, <laughs> which That's is, yeah, which is fine well for me because I'm like, I watch this stuff to fulfill those dark fantasies that I have and where there are no rules and there's no respectability and, Mm -hmm. you know, there is, like, these dark themes of, like, codependency and, like, all of these other things that vampires can represent. Um, I was – because I was watching The Neon Demon last night and I was thinking about how people really hated that movie, especially lesbians, because they were, like – why a lesbian always got to be evil. And I'm like, I like villains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I love evil women. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just such a, a transgression of what women are su- told they're supposed yeah. to be mm-hmm. that I still find it really fascinating to watch. And when, I mean, men make it, you know, it's, there's problems, but like I said, men aren't afraid to go there. So in a lot of ways, it's like more interesting sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and we've definitely talked about this before, about um, how sometimes maybe as queer women, when we're hitting on other queer women or, like, talking to about whatever other queer women, and we're afraid of saying things that might make it sound like like we sound like a man. Like a creepy man, because that's what we're used to. Yeah. We don't want to be objectified. Yeah, and it's like, we are not capable of saying anything or doing anything in the way that a creepy man 
would do it. I mean, not capable maybe isn't the right, isn't what I mean, but I mean like the point the is, it's like, is definitely different. You it's know, if I, if I whistled at a woman on the street to convey that I was attracted to her, which I would not do, let's say <laughs> I did, you know, when she turned around and saw that it was me, she could probably assume that if she turns me down, I'm not going to kill her. Exactly. <laughs> Which is a, just a, like a great start. <laughs> and you can't always assume that when a man whistles at you on the street. And so I'm like point blank period. I know that I like that. I, I just can't do that. And I feel like for a long time it kept me from hitting on women because I didn't want to act like a man, quote unquote act like a man mm-hmm. and be um, a, a lesbian vampire predator. Yes, exactly. Which is like, but what, I'm like, yeah. I'm a fucking, you know, lesbian vampire predator. Yeah. Well, so. reclaiming that, yeah. reclaiming sexual desire as a lesbian is very, it's a whole thing because you're told that, you know, lesbians are just not, it's like either hypersexualized by men mm-hmm. or like very neutralized by like mainstream lesbian feminists who like want to get away from that sexual representation right, and that hypersexual right. representation for men. So there's a fear and a lot of internalized homophobia in lesbian communities about expressing sexual desire. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, even just it's radical to just be like, she's hot. I want to fuck her. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. as a woman saying that about another woman, like it's, it's a radical thing still. Definitely. You're giving me a new perspective on the tagline of this film because I thought it was like kind of like queer or pointing to it, but no, it's just a bunch of dudes like talking about it. But the tagline is she gives you that weird feeling. And I thought, <laughs> Oh, they've got to know it because when you watch it, I know when I watch a sexy vampire, he gives me that weird feeling. You oh, know, I remember so- like watching blade most random like reference of the movies, but being like don't kill him don't kill Steven Dorff he's like what I'm identifying with while watching this entire movie as like a 20 year old closet case yeah you gave me that weird feeling yeah I'm like gave me many weird feelings and And it was for Steven Dorff and we get straight (laughs) (laughs) and we give straight people that weird feeling that thing they just Mm -hmm. can't place if you're not out to them where you're like he's a little a little weird. Uh-huh, he's a little, eh? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. You're so. a little eh, too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Sam? No, that was it. That was it. Sorry well, to blade, bladeify it. Oh, no, I love it. You know, I love it. Um, does it get a pride float? Does this movie get a pride float? I think so. I think so, too. I would definitely say so. Her yes. flat is the float. Yeah. Or the castle. Okay. The castle, mm-hmm. yeah. Or just a big-ass coffin. Yeah, just a big-ass coffin. And everybody is in a different gown that she wears in the movie. Yeah. That's what I loved about this movie was the costume design. Yes. Yes. Everyone was like formally fucking dressed. And I'm not like talking formal. I'm talking formal. I'm like, that dude was roaming around in tuxedos <laughs> the whole movie. Yeah. It's, and it's a gorgeous movie. The cinematography. It's beautiful. Too. The, the scene, sets. Right. The scene where she's doing that ritual to get rid of her vampirism Mm, and she's in the gothic forest and she has a French manicure and she's she's got that ring. Oh, the ring too. Like femme seduction. I don't know. Just Mm so, and I love the shot of the ring, but reflecting in Lily's eyes, both eyes they managed to do. The best is like, you could see it going the one eye and then the other light is a little bit too late, (laughs) but they did it anyway. And I just, I don't know. I love that old shit. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, Sam. Pride float, yes or no? You know, when I came in here, I thought no. And just because it feels like it's 
at the end of the day, she has to die. And I was going through this whole thing with his no, code. Um, but, uh, but fuck it. This, ha- this movie has a pride float. And not only that, it's got Violet Tchotchke on it. She's wearing that full, like, head to toe, covered up black. And halfway through the song, she does the reveal. And underneath is that part, that dress she had at the end with, like, the dress where it's, like, crossed oh, over across her oh, chest. Oh, so Why? Good. It is a season, Queen's on, uh, hello, uh, Rue Queen's uh, future of Someone season 12. Someone just be Dracula's daughter one season. Please, Dracula's oh, that daughter. That would be a great drag And it's a great reveal. Yeah. So Dracula's come out daughter? or Dragula's daughter. Um, can we talk about her death though? I love that. Like she's going through this whole monologue about living forever. And then she's killed by an arrow <laughs> in the stomach. She, well, when she finally accepts her gayness, she's got to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, and I know <laughs> she has to die based on the code you were talking about. The Da Vinci code. But like, they didn't even like, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I'm always obsessed with vampire rules. <laughs> And like, I guess just you to, are because I'm always because I always talk about immortality, and then in every movie they die. So I'm always like obsessed with the immortality conversation. But then in almost every movie, the vampire dies at the end. I'm like, well, you're not none vampires aren't immortal in film, like ever, well, ever. So like, she dies by an arrow to the stomach. So I was just like, hmm, I guess you're not immortal, right? Well, I mean, is immort- immortality is like longevity, like given like you are you will not be killed by the ravages of time. But Your to body me, will it's like a simple arrow to the stomach could have killed her. Okay, well, yeah, Look, at I, any I moment. think they probably didn't you know, write the end of that script, and they're like, well, they oh, probably we're had to kill twelve her. hours. Yeah, <laughs> they had to kill her, but. That was the specific moment, though, that made me feel on the fence about giving it a pride float. Because the arrow comes at the hand of her friend, who to me is very queer. I mean, not just because he looks like Miss Trunchbull, but like because <laughs> he is her assisting her all along the way of this. And then with no fucking, I mean, just pip, full pivot for to, no reason to he killing kills her. her. And it's almost like his his realizing that they've been wrong the whole time is also uh, it has to become saving everybody from themselves. And it feels gross to me. I fucking hate him, even though he does oh, yeah. look like Eli Roth in the opening. <laughs> It was one of his earlier roles. <laughs> I fucking hate Jeffrey. Yeah. yeah. Why is he? He's such a dick to Janet. Also, he doesn't. Why is he oh, such yeah. a dick to her? He's like an abuser. Fifteen. Yeah, she prank calls him in a, in I a love work that. meeting. I love that she prank called somebody in 1935. No, but also he doesn't take Countess Zaleska seriously. She's asking desperately for his help, and he's like, oh, I'll meet you tomorrow if I have time. Like, whatever. Like, she, you're talking to her right now. Just talk about it. Yeah, and also I feel like they had to tack. And then tack- smokes from her, too. Fuck right. <laughs> it's so much smoking. I also feel like they had to tack in there that she actually doesn't want Janet. She wants Jeffrey. I felt like that was so that was tacked yeah. on. Like, <clears throat> it, like, why again does she that. want this guy? Yeah. He sucks. He does suck. Yeah. And he's gay, too. Oh, absolutely. Michael, he's like, you think everyone in every movie is gay? No, he, he's like a mean queen. <laughs> yeah. He's pissed off that he has to be in this relationship with Janet. And all these older men in this movie were bachelors. Yes. Gay. Wait, I'm sorry. He was in a relationship with Janet? Well, I think it's implied. Was his assistant, right? It's his assistant, but I think I it's thought, implied oh, that so they have some kind of yeah. romantic They're constantly going to functions after work together. Yeah, yeah. And he's mean to her because he's like some closeted mean queen. Yeah. <laughs> Is he never viewed her as a threat. When he figured out that she was a vampire, he was just like, whatever, I'm still going to be in this room with you. I don't understand. If I thought, if I was as afraid of vampires, is it just because she's a woman? Yeah. I, the, yeah. Just, I think that's he part never, of it. It's like, she's I was like screaming at the dude. Bite his neck, bitch. Yeah. Bite him. Get him. Well, she's, she's much, I, but drain she's him. much more intentional with her kills. She's like mm. kind of the first, well, Bella Lugosi is a stylish vampire, but she's very like, 
stylish, premeditated, mm. like very yeah. selective yes. about the victims. Yeah. <laughs> we get on that point. I, oh, I realized I hadn't said. I, I also give this a pride float. Yeah. Um, I think Gloria Holden, Dracula's daughter, is a better Dracula than Dracula. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And mm. look, you know, Bella Lugosi, he's Browse. iconic, all that stuff. I think that movie's incredibly lethargic and boring. Um, this movie, you know, while also lethargic and boring, is better. <laughs> for a lot of reasons because of Gloria Holden. Yes. Um, Every time that, she's on screen. The movie yeah. is boring when she's not on. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, they trans, when they go to the totally. cop or they go to Jeffrey. Oh my God, all those bum- bumbling, bumbling cops idiots. that are there for like comic relief. I'm like, yeah. we don't give a fuck. Yeah, go yeah. back to Gloria Holden. Yeah. And, like, what, go fuck yourself. She, liter- <laughs> she literally repeats that line of, I don't drink wine and she does it so much better yes. she does and that yes. scene where she's playing the piano and getting increasingly more like manic and terrified yes. can relate so yes. absolutely yeah. i relate Stunning. to her a lot also her paintings are beyond yes. did you get a glimpse of them mm. it's like a yes. woman in a cloak like walking yes. alone with like a skull <laughs> <laughs> like, same <laughs> yeah. honestly same yeah and that's the leader of the float mm. yeah mm-hmm Thank you so much. Yes, thank, thank you, you so much what? for having me. Before, to have you back. Yeah, yes, definitely. I would love that. Definitely. Before we get to where everyone is on the internet, especially you, Annie, um, do you have anything that you want to plug? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, um, my I'm on releasing my third episode this week um, of Girls, Guts, and Jalo, and um, it's a podcast that examines. The, the feminine image in cult and controversial cinema through a queer feminist lens. and yeah, love I, the title. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I love the alliteration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although my ex-girlfriend pointed out that there's another word for it. It's not alliteration. It's something else. Yeah, love her. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, cool. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. No, I mean, yeah. I, it, Keep it. Just uh, helping me forever and ever. Thank you. Even no. when I don't ask for it. Yeah, which is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it too that she's also a lesbian vampire. Oh, okay. So, you know, respect. Put put respect on that. She's cool. Put some respect yeah. on her name. I got um, but uh, oh, I I tr- I purposely tackle films that are like reviled by mainstream feminism Ooh. because I often have like a totally different idea cool. about it. And uh, like the first the first episode I did, Alice, Sweet Alice, and then love that movie. Oh, me too. And then the second episode because of Brooke Shields, we did uh, Pretty Baby. Um, which is a very upsetting, controversial <laughs> movie and one that's very much hated by mainstream feminists um, and not Basic Instinct. So we're kind of okay, like, cool. yeah, talking about that. That's kind of my thing is, you Three know, very different films too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 But it's, you know, typically seen as products of the male gaze, but, okay. f- but, but things that I love and grew up with. So cool. that's what I'm plugging now. That Great. sounds so lovely. When do your episodes, what day of the week do your episodes drop? They come out every Friday. Friday, great. And they're anywhere you listen to podcasts. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet. And do you have any, just real quick, titles you can drop of like great lesbian vampire movies that you would Oh, good idea, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Well, you guys know The Hunger. That's obviously a great one. Heard of it. Uh, (laughs) The Vampire Lovers, which is a Hammer film from the 70s with Ingrid Pitt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the other thing I love about lesbian vampires, too, is they're always femme for femme. Which mm-hmm. is partly because it's a male fantasy, but also I am from for femme, so it's for me. It's you know <laughs> just a representation. It's like, don't mind if I do. Maybe. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Vampires, Lesbos is always one I recommend as well. Uh, Blood and Roses from 1960 is a gorgeous mm-hmm. film. 
Um, and then anything that uses like Elizabeth Bathory imagery, <laughs> like the Elizabeth Bathory sequence in Immoral Tales is a great one. Um, anything Jean Roland, so like Shiver of the Vampires, Fascination, any of those. Those are great. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I also love Nausea, which uh, is one from the 90s, which has a lot of like shoegaze music in it. And it takes place in New York. And it's a kind of a Dracula's Daughter revamp. Oh, cool. It's the same plot. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Sweet. And where can everyone find you on Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want them to find you? Yeah. You can find me on Instagram. My personal account is fat goth, F A T G A W T H. Best. Yeah. Yes. So goth so with like a New York accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter as girls guts. Jalo. Love is, it. Yeah. You can find me, Michael on Twitter at Michael Ken Ken. Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Black Cupcake. You can find me, Sam, on Twitter and Instagram at Sam Weinman or on Grinder if you live in Los Angeles. Just open it up. <laughs> he's he's everywhere. You'll find him. Yeah. Um, also, the show, uh, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Wolf Pod, and you can find me on Twitter at It's Raining Brands. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. Yes. Wonderful to have you here. Thank yeah. you. It was wonderful Amazing. to be here. I love this podcast so much. Oh, thank you. And yeah, I can't wait to listen you. to yours. Yeah. Thank you. All right, y'all. We out. Bye. 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 Bye.